Hey everyone, welcome back to A Thousand True Crimes. Um, Hi guys. Yep, I'm here of course with the lovely co-host Joe, and uh, we're just sipping on some wine and drinks on a Wednesday evening. Yeah. How's it going? How's your week? Like queens. <laughs> What's new with you? Um, It's been just a slow week. Yeah. I feel like there's like so much to do with this house. It's just a lot. It's a lot that we've got to like get done. I feel like we're just filling up every single day with like stuff that's just rolling in. You know what I mean? Like the days yeah. are just rolling together. But something really exciting did happen today. I took my girls to a, like that. We have this local kids museum. Mm hmm. It was like the first time we have been to a public play place, play place, in like over a year. That's like that's awesome. Did they have? It was so, so exciting. So it was thrilled. Oh my gosh, I couldn't like contain them. Like usually they're pretty good about coming and telling me if they want to go somewhere. Then we walk there together. But they were like taken off. Like they were like, let's go to this place and let's go to that place. I'm like, listen, y'all just go. I will follow you. Don't yeah. worry. We went to the. Uh, <laughs> You're not that fast yet. <laughs> we went to the children's museum today nice. in kansas city oh really mm-hmm. what are the odds <laughs> it was fun it was fun it was a good time well done it was a wednesday for the museum i mean what can we say it's like 40 something degrees here so like playing outside is just not an option right now dang it's still pretty cold over there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's i'm not a it fan was 80 of it. degrees here oh see that's a little <laughs> bit different um mm. so what you drinking on I have this Blackberry uh, Canada Dry mixed with a little bit of whiskey. Mm, very nice. Yeah. I need to go to the store. <laughs> I was going to say, are you running out of things? Yeah. <laughs> Whenever you start mixing random stuff, I'm like, oh, she needs to go to the store. I got to go to the grocery store. I, I couldn't know. today because poor Jeremy, his car broke down yesterday. Oh, no. I know. But fortunately, we were lucky because the part that broke was like a recalled part. So oh. we it was like we just took it to the Dodge place and they fixed it for free. So oh, awesome! That's good. But we had to help drive him back and forth and do extra trips. So wasn't able to make it to the store. But whatever. Mm. That's good. There you go. What are you drinking? Uh just some you know Sauvignon Blanc. Keeping it simple. Delish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am. I am pretty much a creature Keeping of habit. It classic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah. Well. Are you ready to... Who are we talking about today? Talk about our, our guy today. Um, okay. So, okay. we are talking about Charles Starkweather. Have you heard of him? Mm-mm. Okay. So, of course, the, like, there's an episode on ID, and it's A Crime to Remember, Season 4, Episode 1. And then I also got a mm. lot of the information from like biography.com, history.com, Murderpedia, and Washington Post. Okay. So some of these pictures he's like attractive in and then some of them he looks like I don't know, he got kicked in the face. Yeah, he's kind of like you're not gonna be a fan of him. I'm, I'm just certain not. So <laughs> something about his face does not look pleasant. No, no. So Charles was born on November twenty fourth, nineteen thirty eight, during mm-hmm. the Great Depression to Guy and Helen Ooh. Starkweather. And they lived in Lincoln, okay. Nebraska. Okay. So we're going back in time here. He was the third. What of, year did you say? I'm sorry. I he, know you just told me. He was born in 1938. 38. Okay. During the Great Depression. Yeah. 
Got it, got it. So he was the third of seven kids, and they didn't have Mm -hmm. a lot of money growing up, but it wasn't like they were starving. Like his parents always managed to have food on the table. They just, they were, you know, they were poor. It's the Great Depression. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, They're struggling. Everyone, everyone was struggling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like people in the town, like in Lincoln during that time, like they knew who he was. Their kids played with him. Uh, all the Starkweather kids were considered like very polite, very well behaved. Like mm-hmm. no one could imagine what he would be capable of doing. Okay. Um, so Charles was also bullied as a kid due to him having a speech impediment and gene. God, these medical terms. Genu. <laughs> Varium, G-E-N-U-V-A-R-U-M. If it's it's G-E-N? G-E-N-U. I have no idea. Okay. Well, I also took Latin in high school, and that's how most of these <laughs> uh, medical yeah. Yeah. terminology. So obviously that stuck really well with me. Um, but anyways, <laughs> what it, is it? I was going to say, what it's is a it? mild birth defect and it caused him to walk like bow-legged. Okay. Okay. So it also guys don't bully kids like, yeah, no, hell no. But also this was like the late thirties, early forties. Oh yeah. Like, like every, everyone was a dick back then. Yeah. <laughs> unless you were like, uh, unless you, I should take it back. White men ruled America and they yeah. were all assholes. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, he was bullied, and by the time he was 16, he had dropped out of high school, and it was also later discovered that he suffered from severe myopia, and it drastically affected his eyesight. Okay. So he had a lot of things, like, when it comes to school, he had a lot of things stacked against him. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. That nowadays would be, you know... Probably wouldn't be as big of an issue. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So at this time, he also, when he was a teenager, idolized James Dean and copied his look and tried to be this, like, Uh, yeah, is that what you're seeing when you see the pictures of him? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. He, he, like, he saw Rebel Without a Cause and, like, became obsessed with James Dean. Okay. Yeah. Um, He also became romantically involved at this time, I believe he was like around 19, with 13-year-old Carol Ann Fugate. Ew. Yeah. That's gross. Yeah. So they met through Carol Ann's sister, who was dating Charles's good friend, Bob Van Bush. Carol Carol Ann lived with her mother and stepfather, Velda, in Marion, M-A-R-I-O-N. It's a guy's name. Yeah, Marion. Marion? Yeah. Bartlett. I don't know why I said Bartlett like that. Wait, Um, Marion Bartlett was a person? So she lived with her mother and stepfather, Velda, and Marion Bartlett. The guy's oh, okay. name. Velda. What a name. Velda. Yeah. Yeah, the um, only reason I know it's a guy's name is because that was John Wayne's, wasn't that John Wayne's, like, middle name or or first what? name or something like that? Marion. Maybe. I don't Associated know. Associated with John Wayne somehow. Anyways. I, I don't know. 
that's I don't know. Um, so <laughs> Carol Ann was born on July 30th, 1943. And after he starts like dating her, becoming romantically involved, Charles starts to work as a lorry loader for a local newspaper and the warehouse. At that, Sorry, sorry. Can I interrupt for a second? Yeah, of course. And you might not even know the answer. At that time, was it weird for a 19-year-old to be dating a 13-year-old? Or was this the time when, like, they were like, eh, I don't care. Get her pregnant. That's her job. No. This is definitely, It like, was weird. Yeah. Okay, good. Just making sure. I don't yeah. know. Listen, I don't know. They had weird rules back then, but this yeah, was weird. Yeah, but, okay. like, we're okay. now getting close to, like, the 50s. So, like, things okay. are starting to change. Okay. Yeah, All we're right. in the 50s when they start to, like, date. Okay. Yeah. So, he gets his job. So, and the um, warehouse was located near the junior high school that Carol Ann attended. Oh, no. Ew. Yeah. So, he would be able to visit her and eventually. While she was at school? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yuck. Eventually, Charles leaves his newspaper job and starts to work as a refuse collector. I'm pretty sure it's like a trash Trash collector, yeah. yeah. So pretty much in um, – he's also going through, like, kind of this, like, fuck the world stage. And in his mind, the injustice of him growing up poor and people having more than him as he continues to, like, get mm. older, it becomes a very consuming thing. And this is what starts to set off his killing spree. Okay. Mm okay. Right. So he's like a rebel without a cause. Fuck the world. You owe me something. Mm. And I'm pissed about it. Mm-hmm. So. Got it. Got it. Typical. Got it. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Easy to picture. <laughs> yeah. Um. So on December 1st, 1957, Charles kills his first victim, Robert Colvert. And Robert was a gas station attendant who had a young wife and a child on the way. And mm. Charles took around $160 from the station and about $10 in loose chains, coins. Okay. Robert was found on the outskirts of Lincoln and was lying on the side of the road, and he had been shot several times. Mm. So, like I said, Robert worked at um, as a gas station attendant at Crest Service Station. Mm-hmm. And Sheriff Canope becomes the lead detective for this case. And when they found Robert's body, they had no idea it was it was Charles or somebody that they could possibly know because his body, like I said, was found on the outskirts of town. So mm, people, okay. the police are believing in the beginning that someone was just like passing through and right, killed like Robert for the money. But they're also like, well, the gas station is back in Lincoln. How did he end up all the way out? In, All like, the, the country, yeah. Okay. So, Wilbur Stalendaz, I think that's how you say his name, I last can... name. Say it again? Stalendaz, S-T-A-L-A-N-D-Z. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, but we're going to go with Wilbur, because that's his first name. Talk okay. about a name. Yeah, yeah. Wilbur. Wilbur. Yeah. So, Wilbur was the person who discovered the body, and he's kind of like a PI type thing. 
Oh, well, that's lucky. Yeah. And he would check on places. Essentially, like, what he would do is he would check on places to make sure things were locked up and okay. 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 That night, though, Wilbur was also with a young airman from the base that was nearby. And I never found out the airman's name. What, just hanging out? (laughs) Yeah. So. Alone at night. Yeah. Like. Outskirts of town. Okay. Hey. (laughs) Um, So Wilbur doesn't have like the greatest reputation with the local police. And they decide to take him, him and the airman in for questioning. Okay. So Wilbur, of course, is like, he's not telling the police why he was on that road with the airman. He just keeps saying like it was part of his job and he like the airman was assisting him. So the police give the airman a lie detector test and he fails. The airman does end up telling the police what they were doing there. And the police determine it was enough to prove that they weren't the ones responsible, but the police never disclose what it was that they were doing. So, but I we think all we know all what know they were doing. Can guess what they were doing. <laughs> I mean, hilarious. yeah. So, but you got to remember, like, this is like 1957. So, like, yes, you cannot tell people those things. No. That could get you kicked out of the military and you could lose your job. Mm. You could lose a lot. Yeah. Lose your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, a month goes by and the police. Do not have any leads on who killed Robert. And mm. one day, a local shop owner does come forward and tell the police that she had a suspicious customer, which was a white teenager, came in the day after Robert's murder. She ran a used clothing store, and the teenager okay. paid with rolled up coins that were $10 like worth. It, like it's out of a register. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now they're kind of like, the police are like, oh shit, is it somebody that actually lives in Lincoln? Um, so I do want to give a trigger warning because there is death of a child here. Oh, On okay. January 27th, 1958, the bodies of Marion Velda and two-year-old Betty Jean were discovered by Bob Van Bush and Rodney Starkweather. Is this mother and child? Mm-hmm. Mother, child, mm. father. Yeah. Who oh. were checking up on the family. And mm. um, sorry, this is Marion and Velda Fugate. Oh. Sorry. Yeah, I forgot to include the um uh, last name. Charles's parents. Carol Ann's parents. I mean, Charles's girlfriend's parents. Yes. Right. And sister. Okay. Half-sister. And sister. Yeah, 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 yeah. Investigators were called to 924 Belmont Avenue, and Velda's body was discovered wrapped up and stuffed in a in a toilet. Marion was oh found God. wrapped up in the chicken coop, and Betty Jean, which was the first body to be discovered, was found in, I believe it's like the outhouse. And like, what a dick. Yeah. Marion was shot with a 22 long rifle and stabbed in the throat. Velda had been shot and bludgeoned. And Betty Jean was killed by blunt force trauma to the head and also stabbed in the throat. Oh, my God. Oh they had, God. I know, two years old. That's like, that's know, baby Jesus B's age. Christ. I, know. I just don't, I just, yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. 
So they had been dead for at least two days, but the other daughter... Two days? Carol Ann was missing. And Carol Ann never noticed? Oh, oh, I see. She was missing. Okay. So the police talked to Rodney, and Rodney is Charles' brother, and Bob, which is Charles' friend. And they mention... That's when they tell the police about the age difference was an issue for Carol Ann's parents, and they wanted her to end the relationship with Charles. Uh, They also find out that for over the past week, people have been coming over to check in on the family, and Carol Ann would answer the door and turn people away, saying that everyone was really sick with, like, the flu. No. So Bob and Rodney finally decide, you know what, like, a like y'all need to give us some answers what the hell is going on and they're gonna figure it out so they came back to the house to get some answers and that's when they discovered the bodies okay yeah so at this point the police put out an abp for charles's car and that he is armed Mm -hmm. and dangerous Mm -hmm. the next morning they find his car 20 miles outside of lincoln stuck in the mud near august myers farmhouse so they, of course, they surround the farmhouse and they like call for him to come out. There's no answer. So they storm the farmhouse. And of course, Charles and Carol Ann are not there. They Is do find, right? yeah, I mean, of course. God, what a dick. Yeah. So they do find August in the back and he had been shot and killed. Ugh. Soon after they find August's body, the police could report that two teenagers, teen, wow, turn, turn, teenagers, <laughs> Carol King and Bob Jensen had been reported missing in Bennett, Nebraska, along with their car. Carol and Bob went out for a date and never came home. The locals at this point Is this also, not far from the town? Yeah, they we were like, were? yeah, they're pretty close, like. I mean, it's far, but it's not like, you know. It's not Nebraska far. (laughs) Well, he's in Nebraska, but I think it's like right on the... No, I know, but like, it's close, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I like, I don't even know, but yeah, it's close. Um, The locals at this point are also out looking for the teenagers when they were discovered. They were discovered near the Myers Farm, which had an underground storage facility. And that is where Carol King and Bob Jensen's bodies were discovered. They had been shot multiple times, and Carol had... Okay, also trigger warning. Sexual assault. Carol had been sexually no. mutil- mutilated <laughs> with a knife. Uh, yeah. Happy Wednesday. Like... First of all, why? Mm. Second of all, it's escalating. It's just like, dude, fucking relax. Go have a beer. Smoke like, what is going on? Weed. <laughs> go for a run. Do you need though. to? Do you need to go for a run and like blow some steam off? I think this guy needs some medication. Let's yeah, be honest. seriously. <laughs> and oh. a lot, like, lots of therapy. Mm-hmm. Lots of therapy. I want to know what's going on with um, Carol Ann. You'll find out. I know. I want to know if she was part of it. I want to know if she, like, was she being held against her will? So like, I don't know we'll go on. into it in a little bit. And there's definitely, mm-hmm. like, there's some controversy with it, for sure. 
Oh, okay. <coughs> Excuse me. So the police set up checkpoints all over the state, and they tried to catch Charles and Carol Ann. They, mm-hmm. Charles and Carol Ann did have, a tw- have like a 20-hour window to escape before the last bodies were found. And okay. no one has spotted Bob Jensen's car. Okay. At this point, the police are thinking he's going to try to escape to the border or at least get out of the state. Mm-hmm. But nope. They get a call about three more bodies that had been found back in Lincoln. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. See Lawyer Ward, who was a prominent industrialist, his wife, Clara, and the, their maid, Lillian Finsel were discovered on January 28th. The cupper... Oh, my God. The cupper? (laughs) Jeez. I like that word, though. The cupper um, Mm -hmm. killed Laura Ward. Okay, sorry. Laura Ward had been found shot in the walkway. Clara Ward was upstairs in her nightgown, and she had been tied up, and she had been stabbed multiple times in the head and chest. And Lillian Finsel was also tied up and stabbed. There were no they are escalating. Yeah. And there was no signs of sexual assault. And the only thing that was taken from the family's house was their car. Their and car. in the driveway mm-hmm. was Bob Jensen's car. Got it. So they mm-hmm. switched cars. They switched okay. cars. And like they like where they went in Lincoln was a very affluent, prominent neighborhood. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, we know he hates those people. Yep. So. I got to think also, like, just because of the years this is, this is before they had interstate conversation, really. Mm-hmm. This was, like, before they had an easy way to, like, communicate with another state, like, we're looking for this person. So I bet they were freaked out that they were going to go to the border. But also, I'm wondering, because these aren't major towns, right? I mean, back then, no. Like, they're like, not I small, don't think, but they're yeah. not major. Yeah, like. Okay. I don't think Lincoln, Nebraska, no offense if anyone is from Lincoln, Nebraska, in 1957, 58 was like yeah, a booming yeah. city. Right, right, right. So there was like time because there was a lack of resources mm-hmm. for them to get around from place to place. That, okay. right. and, and it's country. Like yeah, even yeah. now, Nebraska is like super country still. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah so now... So this attack, though, starts to make the police wonder if Carol Ann is really a hostage or a willing accomplice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just now they're and starting like, to wonder this? Well, okay. She's young. She's like, what, 13 at the time, 14 yeah. at the time? And the relationship had been sexual. And because of the and age, it's a, and it was a weird relationship, and yeah, the age yeah. difference, there was definitely a power struggle. So the yeah. police are still not a hundred percent sure of her role, but are starting to question it. Right. Because that means that someone had to. If you have two people, right? Mm-hmm. And like, you have to. You need somebody to help tie one person up and keep the other person right. under right control. It doesn't seem likely, right? Yeah, it doesn't seem likely that he was just able to like go in there, overpower, like, and be all like, these women. "Okay, yeah. like Carol, you're gonna sit here and be quiet, and I'm right. gonna go tie up your maid <laughs> and stab her, and then I'm gonna come back." You know, like no, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, 
So by this time, the newspapers and the radio are reporting on this. Schools have been closed. Parents are hiding their kids at night. Damn. The National Guard is called out. And wow. police are doing a street-by-street street sweep. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's serious. I mean, this is a spree killer who's escalating. I don't even know if they had those words back then, but, like, they made the right call. Like, oh, yeah. It was serious. They needed oh. to get them. Yeah, they – and, like, it all happened, like, after the murder of, like, Robert, the first one, it took about a month. But then after that, it was, like, back, 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 back. So 500 miles away on Wednesday the 29th, William Romer, a deputy sheriff in Wyoming, is driving along Highway 87. He sees a struggle on the side of the road of two men fighting over a gun. Yeah, could you imagine you're just, like, chilling in Wyoming, and then all of a sudden, like, you see, like, two people fighting over a gun on the side of the road? No, no, no. (laughs) I'd rather not. (laughs) So, I'll be like, "Mm, I'm just going to go ahead and just pretend I'm going to turn (laughs) (laughs) U-turn. Put that shit in reverse. I didn't see a thing. I didn't see nothing here. (laughs) Yeah, I'm out. Thank you so much, but no, thank you. So... One man has already been shot and killed, and that was shoe salesman Merle Collision. Collison, sorry. I was going to say, what Collision. a last name. What okay. a last name. That would be fantastic. <laughs> Merle Collison. Now I want to say Collision. Mm. And he's shot and dead in the front seat of a car, of the car. Yeah, So as Deputy Sheriff Romer gets close, he realized, shit. It's Charles Starkweather. <gasps> so Charles sees this, of course, deputy's coming, and he gets back into a car and takes off. So she runs up to him and says that Charles kidnapped her and she saw him murder 10 people. Mm. Good. So, so now the sheriff is turns around and starts to head south on 87 and a police chase starts. The police are shooting at the car, and one of the Here bullets we go. Good goes. Grief. <laughs> yeah, no. And like, this is like 1957, so like, mm-hmm. I and like country, like, I don't even like. Are they using revolvers? I don't know. Right. Like, Shotguns, I just have like, like a very like yeah. Al Capone type thing right? in my head right now. Yeah, yeah me too. Um, With, like, the I Love Lucy sedan, like, yeah. just driving down the road, the big lights on the side. Yeah. And could you imagine being, like, a farmer just, like, doing your farming thing and all of a sudden you just see. <laughs> These cars, like, plowing past you at, like, 60 miles an hour, shots firing. Good and you're just like, shit, they're like, damn, the city's the getting fuck? bigger. We got to. Everyone's like, you did not need to take care of the cows right then. You went out there because you needed to see what was <laughs> yeah, going on. Exactly. They heard the sirens and I'm like, oh shit. You know, we better go check on the cows again. Make sure they ate all right, you know? Um, so I better run. Sh- One of them sounds stressed. I better run. <laughs> uh, so the police are shooting at the car and one of the bullets goes through Charles' rearview window and shatters the safety glass, causing him to stop. Mm, okay. All right. He gets out of the car and lies down on the and the police like take him in. All right. He didn't have any weapons on him. I mean, I'm sure in the car he did, but it seemed like he kind of just was like, "Oh shit." He quit. Okay. Yeah. All right. So Charles does shout out, "You shot me. I'm bleeding." 
in one of the officers, and I don't know who said it, but one of the officers is later quoted saying, that's what a yellow son of a bitch he was. (laughs) Hey, that is my kind of cop. Sometimes I like, I wish we would bring back like some 50s, 60s sayings. Fuck that dude, like, right? Yeah. Like, like essentially, but that's he was the like, kind of yellow son of a bitch he was. Yeah, he was like, that's he's a fucking coward. Um, but they say it so much more like elegantly. It's better, yeah. Um, so the police have to drive him back to Lincoln, uh-huh. and Charles specifically requests Sheriff Carnope. Carnope, he's the lead detective on okay. this whole case. Okay. To be Was the one to do this. this guy or something? Well, now, Sheriff Canope knows Charles personally. Like I said, at this time, Lincoln isn't very big, so people in the town had kids that played with Charles, went to school with him, saw oh, him driving no. around, picking up their trash. Trash. So when Sheriff Canope comes to pick him up, Charles goes, How, how's Denny? Which was his son, which is... Sheriff Canope's son and a childhood friend of Charles. Oh, no. I don't think this is going to do him any favors, though. No. But it just shows that, like, like how crazy would it be to, like, have to drive back somebody that played with your kid and ended up being, like, on a killing spree? Yeah, your kid's friend. Like, oh, Hey. Yeah, I'd be like, you keep my you keep my son's name out of your dirty little mouth. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, like Charles shows no remorse. He doesn't have a care in the world, and Sheriff Knope's wife ends up escorting uh, Carol Ann back to Lincoln. Okay. So once back in Lincoln, the Here police start to question Charles about what happened. So this is everything that Charles said. Okay. So take, you know, grain of salt. Grain of salt, yeah. I feel like with any type of thing, like unless, yeah, like back then it was very like you had to kind of go off of what they said. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. with the first murderer, Robert Colvert, he said that he needed money to pay rent. So he went to the gas station, took Robert by gunpoint, and drove him out to the outskirts of town and shot him. Ugh. That's a little like, eh. Mm-hmm. Turns out Robert had refused Charles' attempt to buy Carol Ann a gift on credit, and that is why he came back for revenge. That makes more sense because mm-hmm. he was all about like people having more than him and he, him not being able to get stuff. Yeah. So at 3 a.m. on December 1st, Charles drove to the gas station with a 12-gauge shotgun, and he initially left the gun in his car. He brought cigarettes and then left. He then goes down the street, turns around, and comes back to the station where he buys a pack of chewing gum. He leaves again, and he parks a car a distance away, where he then puts a red bandana underneath his hat and then walks to the gas station with the shotgun and a canvas bag. He holds Robert at gunpoint, steals the money, and then forces him into Charles's car. Mm. Once they are out in the country, he forces Robert out of the car, and there is a struggle between the two, and Robert ends up getting shot in the kneecaps. And that is when yeah. Charles then shoots him in the head. Yeah. Makes you wonder if he was, like, debating whether he should even do it. Yeah, you and know? then I bet it was kind of like that first, like, taste. 
once he got the once he hit him in the kneecaps. Once he once he got that he was, feeling, and he was like, "Oh, yeah. I don't feel bad about this at all." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Damn. Because I've read like with a lot of like killers, it's almost like once they do the first one, it's like addicting, like that rush of well, like especially especially spree killers. Yeah. 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 Like I don't know if it's like a rush of power. Adrenaline. I mean, I'm sure it's adrenaline, a shit ton of chemicals. It, like a high. Uh-huh. I don't know. Mm. So, the Bartlett murders. This okay. is Carol Ann's family. An uh... argument. Yeah. An argument started between Charles and Carol Ann's parents. He said he loved her, but they didn't really care about that. And he like they're like, dude, you're too she was old an for infant. her. <laughs> yeah, they're concerned that he would get her pregnant. And when he went to go, when Charles went to go visit her family, he had borrowed Rodney's, his brother's, rifle. And while her parents were arguing with Charles, he ends up shooting, like, during an argument, Marion. And then Vilda comes after him with a butcher knife, and Charles then shoots her. Go, Vilda! Yeah, but, like, at the same time, I'm like, bitch, you have a two-year-old daughter. You need to get her and get the fuck out of that situation valid yeah okay he says he just couldn't have anybody push him around anymore and then he says that he killed the baby because she wouldn't stop crying Ugh. Ugh. fuck him smash him in his I fucking face so he claims that carol ann was at school during this and when she came home he told her that he had kidnapped her family and was holding him hostage at a, at a garage and they would be okay as long as she said nothing and if she and if she did everything that he said she would like he would want her to do mm-hmm. like the family would be safe but if not he would kill her family oh my god so i also read that after carol ann arrived home charles did confess to what he had done and she helped hide the bodies and stayed in the house for six days i mean listen she was fucking 13 years old so whatever the fuck she did after she realized her entire family had been murdered by this older larger man i honestly don't blame her that much for she was fucking 13 years old that sucks yeah, I mean, she is 13 years old, so she's, a, she's you know, a child, and who knows what she thinks she she's doing. in love. She might have thought yeah. that, or just that she wanted to survive, you know? And sometimes the mm-hmm. will to survive just makes you do, you're like, whatever, I don't give a fuck what you want me to do. I don't want to die. Yeah, you're just who thinking knows? about, like, how do I get out of this situation alive? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So after Charles and Carol Ann Flea, uh, Carol Ann's home, they drove to August Myers' farm. So he was a family friend of Charles. And August actually let him hunt he on his land. He's killing before. all these people he knows. So he shoots he shoots August in the head. And the reason he did this was because he thought that August might have heard a radio report for Charles. And this is when the car gets stuck in the mud. And they had to abandon the car. Oh. And that is when they run into uh, Robert Jensen and Carol King. Okay. Okay. Jensen and King had stopped to help the two and gave them a ride. And Charles forces them to the abandoned storage slash storm shelter. And- Charles admits to shooting Jensen, but claims that Carol Ann killed King. Hmm. Carol. Hmm. So. 
Do we ever hear from her or was she too young? So, no, you do. So, okay. and we'll get All into right. that in a second. Okay. All right. So they then drive back to Lincoln and kill Laurel and Clara Ward and their maid Lillian. Essentially, he was just trying, like Charles was just trying to find a good getaway car. As he's waiting for okay. Laurel, he makes Clara make him pancakes. Wait, sorry. Changes his order to waffles and then takes them upstairs. So Starkweather, Charles admits to throwing a knife at Ward, but claims that Carol Ann um, stabbed Clara as well as stabbed Lillian. Hmm. When Laurel returned home from work around 6 p.m., that is when Charles shot him. Charles said that he, like, he ran away from him. Laurel ran mm-hmm. away from him, and that's why he shot him. <clears throat> Got it. Got it. So they find Meryl. So now they get the um, the ward's car, and they're driving. And they find uh, Meryl Collison asleep in his car as they were trying to ditch the Packard. They wake Collison up and shoot him. Now, Collison's car had a push-pedal emergency brake, which Charles was not used to. So while he tried to get away with the car, it stalled. And that is when the passing motorist stopped to help. And Charles threatened him with the gun and the argument started. Oh. So that is what Charles said. Like, this is what happened. Okay. This is why I did what I did. All right. So in the beginning, Charles claims that Carol Ann was kidnapped by him and was innocent. But he does change his story several times and finally does testify at her trial that she was a willing and participated in the murders. Hmm. He claims that she was watching TV while he was cleaning up the blood from her family and that she was jealous and thought that he had sexually assaulted Clara Ward and Carol King, so she stabbed them. Hmm. Now... Carol Ann has always claimed her innocence and she claimed, you know, she believes her family was still alive at the time and that she was terrified for her, for her and her family's life. Mm -hmm. The judge for their trial, Harry A. Spencer did not believe that she was as innocent as she seemed because there were opportunities for her to escape, which to me is not like a reason because no. You don't know what that person's thinking during that time. Right. And you if don't know they're what that they're being ter- threatened yeah. with. You don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Their mental, yeah. like, They might, wellness. they're not probably thinking clearly. They might not right. realize that this is an opportunity to escape. Well, that's um, some classic 50s, um, you asked for it, you know. Yeah. And, like, also, if she does, if she, you know, like I said, she claims that she is innocent. And if she does believe that her family is still alive, mm-hmm. and if she knows that she escapes... Yeah. She's probably thinking, is he going to go turn around and go kill my family? Yeah. And again, 13 years old. Yeah. Also, though, this is where it gets a little tricky. Okay. When she, So, Charles killed 11 people. Mm-hmm. Okay. When she ran to the sheriff's car, she said she had seen Charles kill 10 people. Meaning she would have had to see him kill her family. Oh, that's true. Because it would have been like seven. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That is a little... 
suspicious. Yeah. It is because, like... I still think, though, even if she like, did here's see him thing. kill her family, she is still entitled to comply until she's... Oh, you know no. what I mean? I, I agree 100%. Like, I, I mean, I understand that, like... But... But it does make you think, think like, is she as innocent as she's saying she is? It's a little because when I mean peculiar when you're 13, 14 years old, like you think this guy is the love of your life or that person. Guys do crazy shit all the time too. Mm-hmm. The love of your life, and you're willing to do whatever it is to have that person in your life. Mm-hmm. Like teenage brains are not fully developed. I know they can't mm-hmm. process those consequences yet. So mm. it is kind of like mm, a little mm. a little tricky. Mm-hmm. 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 Okay. Okay. So Charles was sentenced to death and was only trialed for the murder of Robert Jensen. He was, was that just executed. the way they did things back then. Like they'll just try I, for the I mean, one, probably, get the death penalty. I should have looked more into it, and I'm just wondering if it was just like. We're maybe they had enough penalty. Who cares? We maybe know it was just killed. like enough yeah. evidence, yeah. you know, that had the most evidence or something. I'm not sure. Okay. So Charles Starkweather was executed by the electric chair on June 25th, 1959 at 12.01 a.m. Not sad about it. No, I'm not sad about it at all. Uh-uh. So Carol Ann was convicted of first degree murder and sentenced to life in prison on November 21st, really? 1958. Whoa. But June... But June of 1976, her sentence was commuted and she was paroled. She spent so she 18 like... years. Okay. Yeah. She spent 18 years at the Nebraska Correctional Center for Women. Um, and she settled in Lansing, Michigan and changed her name. To, she know? has married and she goes by Claire now. In 2017, Claire filed a request for a pardon. This is the second time she has tried to get a pardon. Like I said, she claims her innocence. Mm. Her yeah. trial and her lawyer does bring up a, a good, um, some good points. Mm-hmm. Her trial was a time, was during a time that defendants did not have Miranda rights. Yeah. Yeah. And that Charles was the main witness against her. Well, and like, that's not a reliable witness. <laughs> yeah. And, like, Charles did say in the electric chair that she should be sitting on my lap talking about Carol Ann. Yeah, but he's, like, a nasty piece of shit. Which, like, but it makes you wonder, like, did he lie and say these things because it's that kind of mindset, like, if I can't have her, no one can. Right, right. And also during that time. she filed for a pardon twice? Yeah, and also during that time. The system was not aware and sensitive to child victims. No, absolutely not. Yeah. So, yeah. So she is trying to get her pardon. She still maintains. I think she's in her like late seventies, and she still maintains her innocence. And at the end of the day, she is the only one alive right now that knows a hundred percent what happened. Damn. And that is the case of Charles Starkweather. That is a tr- well. It's not a tricky case on his case. No, he's no. a piece of shit who I'm not sad got electrocuted. But her situation, 
It is very, uh, like, I'm just inclined because of, like, the sexism and inequality that just existed mm-hmm. in the world back then. I'm inclined to be like, this doesn't sound, I mean, she's, she's like, little. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm not inclined so to be that mad at her. That Charles, when he was being interrogated, he did say, like, about Clara Ward and um, the maid. Mm-hmm he was kind of like surprised and shocked that they were found dead. I don't know, ma'am. I I mean, it is. It's one she of those things where it. you're just like, what the yeah, hell? And, yeah. And I mean, wait, like she so did wait, say. What was her sister's name? Did she end up taking her sister's name? No, no, no. Her sister's name was Betty Jean. Betty, that's right. I knew it was like a mm-hmm. like a classic name, like Claire. Yeah, she took Claire. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I couldn't imagine like like the guilt. Like if you did see it and you didn't stop it, you know, or if she did participate in some way, the guilt that maybe yeah. she, you know, it's just like one of those things that you wish you could just like know the truth, and you're just I we're know. just never gonna. No, You're like, tell me, girl. No, we'll never know. Damn. We'll never know. That was a good one. I mean, it wasn't a good one, but I was like, it raises a lot of questions. Yeah, it does. It does. So, yeah. Mm. Well, that's a fun Well, Wednesday fuck night. this guy. Yeah. Fuck this dark weather, dude. Yeah. So, anyways. So, on a brighter note, what was your weekly win? I mean, I really feel like I got to go with that we went to Marbles today. I mean, I am such an out and about nanny. Like, we're just constantly going and doing things that, like, I just, it's been hell these past, like, yeah, year and change. To. And so just going and being there and doing stuff. And if this is your first episode that you're listening, I'm vaccinated. So I'm not, like, going out there all willy-nilly. But, yeah, I think they got to go with that. That's great. Mm, good. <laughs> what was your, That's good. your weekly win? Um, shoot. What was my, I don't even know. Um, obviously it's going to be that oh, you're going to be in North Carolina went, soon. Huh? huh? What? Is it obviously it's that you're going to be in North Carolina soon. Oh, I know. Girl, <laughs> literally a week from like Monday. I know. No. It's crazy. So I'm so excited. Um, my weekly win is that. Uh, the husband, the husband and I, we went to a really nice dinner <gasps> the other night. We went to a really fancy. You went on a not date. Fancy. Yeah, so it was fun. Oh my god! But then of course he was like, after dinner, he's like, "So do you want to go out and get a drink somewhere, or do you want to go home and go to sleep?" And I was like, "Sleep for sure." Yeah, <laughs> like, obviously. <laughs> and he's like remember when like you used to stay out to like two or three in the morning drinking i was like yeah i was like 24 and didn't have a child so and i didn't have a child at home <laughs> and i yeah. also didn't just move all the way from hawaii to kansas i didn't have to, to face more of a move <laughs> yeah so- times were different <laughs> sorry i just found mashed potato in my hair hashtag mom life i was gonna say if that's not a mom lifetime, I don't know what is. Oh, uh... <laughs> well, well, anyways. you guys, if you have any comments on what you think, 
this one is a good like it's it's a it's a you just gotta you think about it you're like what like what happened um find us and tell us what you think on our facebook page which is um a thousand true crimes podcast discussion group and then you can also find us on instagram at a thousand true crimes pod and if you're enjoying the podcast and you like what we're doing we'd love for you to give us a um a like a follow a subscribe if you're on apple podcasts if you could leave us a review that um boosts us in the ratings so that there's like you know more people can see that we're a podcast worth listening to um but yeah other than that join us next week it's gonna be real y'all it's gonna be real yeah what do we say the tagline was uh get a dog and lock your doors lock your doors and get a dog yeah yeah lock your doors and get a dog people (laughs) get the dog (laughs) all right bye fam all right bye